I was never the best at anything as a DM in the beginning. I was at the very bottom of the list. When you are willing to listen to the people that you really respect and you start to get better results and create habits and rituals of success, you begin to like put together little bits of confidence that become stronger and stronger. I think one of the secrets to why I withstand some of the tremendous challenges is that maybe I was just too stubborn to quit. And I was like, I'm going to find a way to figure this out. The question I would start with is what is it that you want? What is the vision that you want for the people that you are leading and the people that you're serving? After you think about what is it you want, instead of just making a decision, make a committed decision. Because when you make a committed decision, the universe is going to conspire to assist you to help you accomplish the goals and dreams that you want. It's well known that strength is built through resistance. Danny Lewis has spent his entire career getting ready for this year. Through humble beginnings, Danny listened to the guidance of others and gradually put his skills into action in order to build his confidence. Overcoming a series of difficult experiences has made the challenge and uncertainty of this year seem less daunting in Danny's eyes. And when the pandemic of 2020 began in earnest, Danny made a committed decision to find and bring his A-game. Over the past few months, his sales team in North Shore, Illinois, has consistently been at or near the top of the charts in the Cutco Vector organization. And as of this recording, Danny's team is number one in the company in new business sales for the year. By hearing Danny's story and lessons, we hope that you can find the inner strength and outer guidance to make the rest of 2020 your greatest season in business and in life. This is Cutco's Lakeshore Division Manager, Danny Lewis. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Hello. My guest today is Danny Lewis, the Lake Shore Division Manager for Vector Marketing and Cutco. Danny is a 29-year veteran of the Vector business. Yes, he's been around since way back in 1991, worked with the company throughout college at the University of Illinois, where he was an education major, became a district manager in 1997 with the company. 
Danny's career has been marked by tremendous successes as well as challenges and struggles. And that's a, a part of life, a part of reality, and a, a great part of what we're going to talk about today. He became a division manager in 2013. The Lakeshore Division is the north part of Illinois and the southern part of Wisconsin along Lake Michigan. Danny is a member of the Cutco Vector Hall of Fame. And very notably, he is currently running the number one office in the entire company in new business, new rep sales for the year 2020. So amidst this incredible time of challenge and uncertainty, Danny Lewis is having the best year of his professional career. So many good things that we can talk about today. So Danny, thanks so much for making time for the podcast. Well, Dan, first of all, good afternoon. And it, genuinely, it's a real pleasure. And uh, it's a complete honor to be a part of this program. I've, I've been a big fan of not just you, but also this program. I think what this is doing for so many people is really outstanding. So I'm thrilled to be a part of it. So thank you for having me this afternoon. All right. Fantastic. Well, let's hear a little bit about how you got started with Vector, Danny. Take us back 29 years. Yeah, sure. Um, so my background, it's really simple. Born and raised in Chicago. I'm actually a city kid. And when I was 18 years of age, I was looking to retire from my current position, which is McDonald's and Baskin Robbins. Uh, <laughs> I'd done what I call BC before Cutco. I worked at McDonald's, Baskin Robbins. When I was 12, I started a babysitting gig. I have three younger sisters and we started babysitting. And uh, that was the way we needed to make some cash. So uh, I was looking for, you know, quote unquote, the next step. And I saw an ad in the Chicago Tribune, came into the interview. At the time, I had just graduated high school. I had a driver's license, but I had no car. So I rode my bicycle. That is a true story. In a shirt and tie, I uh, was offered the position. I went home. I told my parents I was going to work with Cutco. And here I am 29 years later. Loving it, by the way. Love the job. Wow. So you rode your bicycle to the interview. Yes. And the, <laughs> it's not a fable. I kind of wish it was not the truth. But the, the fact of the matter is I did not have a car. I actually rode my bicycle for the first four years of Cutco. Like literally summer, winter, fall, spring. That's how I did every one of my demos. There were no virtuals back then. So uh, I had a Schwinn. It was a 12 speed and uh, rode around Chicago. In the rain, it was a little more complicated. But uh, yes, that is an accurate statement. I made it to FSM, ran my first branch office on a bicycle. That is a true, true statement. <laughs> that is a story in and of itself. Wow. I can't imagine what that would be like in those cold Chicago winters. So, yeah, it was brutal, Dan. <laughs> it was brutal. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Well, it, it prepared you. It prepared you for the road ahead, I'm sure. Well, let's hear about some of your experiences, you know, as a rep, as in the early years. What were some of the experiences you had and the lessons that you feel, you know, came out of those experiences? Sure. So my story with Cutco, what I think is maybe most interesting is I was never the best at anything. There's a couple of different roads you can take. I just wasn't great at the beginning. So I was a very average rep. My first summer, I sold 9,500 bucks with a Cutco. I made 1,800 bucks, which was still, that was a lot of money back then. And my second summer, I came back as a part-time assistant manager. Again, I was a pretty average person. My first summer as a branch, I think this is accurate in the central region. I think I was at the bottom of the list. And then as a DM in the beginning, I was at the very bottom of the list. I think I was like the worst DM in the beginning. So as far as lessons, what I've learned, it's really simple, is that you know it really doesn't matter where you start. You know, most people are not a professional at something in the beginning. And as if you can, in a healthy way, not compare yourself 
to the ones who are like number one in everything. But at the same time, if you're willing to go talk to them and ask them questions, one of the things I love about our company is that people are genuinely willing to help and share and teach you the things that have helped them become successful. And I think one of the things that makes our company so special is that people really will help very willingly and willing openly when people come to them. So mm-hmm. one of the lessons that I've learned is go ask for help. I think one of the things I've been really lucky with is that I've had people who believed in me. And maybe that's one of the biggest lessons. Uh, genuinely, I had people who believed in me much more than I believed in myself. For whatever reason, I didn't have a really strong self-image. I'd always been a really you know, hard worker in anything I'd done before Cutco. I played basketball, but I was like on the B team. I ran track and yes, we were, we were really good, but I wasn't like the best. But I always had coaches that believed in me. And I think the lessons are one, if you're willing to put in the effort and you're willing to go talk to your teacher or mentor or the person that you're like aspiring to work with, they will gladly give you the, you know, quote unquote time of day and help you and guide you, but you have to be willing to put in the effort. So regardless of how you know much effort or work that you need to put in, just go be yourself, but just don't quit, right? Yeah. This subject of uh, the comment you made about people believed in me more than I believed in myself. I think that that can be a very common trait for a lot of young people. And for some people, what they do is they, they take that belief and they just, they put it into them and they, they develop the belief. Whereas others, I'm not sure they ever do. I think other people continue to have that lack of belief in themselves. And if they succeed at something, they attribute that to luck or some sort of temporary circumstance. And to have long-term success, you have to make sure that you're belief in self is constantly growing. How do you feel like your belief in self has evolved over the years? Okay. So what I have found is that I genuinely was lucky enough to have people believe in me. But I think the biggest thing I did is I would listen to what they would encourage me to do, whether it was when I was a rep and my branch manager, Brian Bromberg, many years ago, or as a brand new branch manager. And, you know, I was working with Chef Bry or Mike Muriel as a new DM, or they just would give me guidance. And then I just would execute and listen to what they said. And I think when you are willing to listen to the people that you really respect and you start to get better results and create habits and rituals of success, you begin to like put together little bits of confidence that become stronger and stronger. So um, I think one of the secrets to why I withstand some of the tremendous challenges is that maybe I was just too stubborn to quit. And I was like, I'm going to find a way to figure this out. There's a phrase, right? Like, you know, sometimes the grass is always greener on the other side. And they say, well, welcome to the other side. And here we are at Cutco. And I just, I really believe that if other people could, were able to do it and they're willing to share, I can find a way to do the same results. But that's what's worked well for me. Mm. There's something about the phrase you use there, too stubborn to quit. I think about the word until, right? Jim Rohn has a section in some of his teachings where he talks about the word until, right? And the value of trying something until you figure it out, right? I was just having this conversation with my daughter the other day because we're trying to take the training wheels off her bike. 
And she was a little late to get a bike, and that's a whole another story. <laughs> Wasn't behaving for a while. But so she's six, she should be riding a two wheel bike, right? And so we're trying to take the training wheels off. And, you know, she wanted to give up pretty quickly. And I started trying to teach her like this word until, right? That that's an important word, right? Trying something until you get it. And you had that, you've always had that mentality. And that has enabled you to kind of hang in there, you know, despite the challenges, which I think is a key value for sure. You also mentioned rituals and habits for success. If you create rituals and habits for success, those help kind of take you from one place to the next. Can you think of a a ritual or habit or a couple that come to mind that sort of became a part of who you are and what you would do? Sure. Well, as a sales rep, as silly as it may sound, I'm not exaggerating. On every appointment I ever did on a bicycle, I would literally recite the clothes verbatim, have the customer give me objections and solve the objections. And I would do the same thing with recommendations that I felt like, you know, when they say like visualization, I would literally mm-hmm. visualize the success that I wanted to do before I would accomplish it. And I did that forever. To this day, every time I go into a training or an interview or a big conference or meeting I want to run, I have rituals and habits. So one of the things I say to myself is, you know, when I go into an interview in a very confident way, I'm like, I'm going to run the greatest interview of my life. This is going to be my masterpiece. I'm going to run the greatest training I've ever run. This is going to be my masterpiece. I learned that from Jerry Addison years ago. I'm going to run the greatest division salesman I've ever run. This is going to be my masterpiece. This is going to be my best ever. And just to like mentally go through that and put myself in the right mental state so that I'm ready to execute and give the people who I'm serving the value that they really deserve, right? I, you know, I'm, I grew up in Chicago, right? So I'm a big Michael Jordan fan. I had the privilege of seeing all six of the championships. And in terms of habits and rituals of success, to me, I was like, this is the only interview these people are ever going to get. This is the only training these people are going to participate. This is the only division salesman they're going to maybe ever be in. I have to perform at my highest level because they deserve it because this may be the only shot Right? This might be the only time in which they actually see me live. So go all out because this is the only today you have. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, role play is so critical for learning something because of the repetition that we get when we're role playing. And then affirmations are reminding us of who we want to be. They're reminding us of our future self, so to speak, the person that we're stepping into becoming. And that constant reminder is what helps us to actually become that. So I like hearing that. That was, that was cool. Now, so throughout your career, Danny, you have not had this sort of like up straight upward progression in your career. Your career has certainly been marked by a great deal of successes. You know, certainly as a Hall of Fame achiever in our company, you've had tremendous successes, but you also have had some pretty challenging times both in running an office and as a division manager up to and including now. And I think it's important to, for us to talk about this and to talk about some of your challenges and what you feel you've learned as you've worked through them. So take us into the you know, moments of difficulty or challenge that stand out for you. And, and let's talk about some of the things that some of the good that came out of those experiences. Okay, sure. I'd be happy to share. All right. Well, so when I was a new DM, my first 28 months, that's like the first three summers in a row, I had what I would say is tremendously subpower results. And I remember at the end of my third year as a district manager, where we were, I mean, we were just from a mathematical standpoint, we were failing miserably. I mean, there was, there was no, you know, sexy way to say it. We just weren't good. And I went to, you know, my division manager, Jeff Bryan, I said, I think I'm done. 
And he, in a very open and genuine way, he was like, that's great. He's like, this is so wonderful because there's so many things that you just haven't executed on. And one of the things I realized is in times of struggle, what I wasn't doing is I wasn't reaching out. I wasn't asking for help. I was like, quote unquote, too scared to call my manager mm-hmm. because I was like ashamed or I felt like a failure or I felt like I wasn't contributing. I remember when I was uh, a brand new, I think I was a branch manager and I was the worst branch in our division my first year. And our division won the silver cup. And they were, you know, the division manager at the time was like, ah, everyone contributed. And I felt like, but I didn't do anything. And my lousy 32,000 was not going to make the difference of whether or not we won the silver cup because we were the best division. And the things that have allowed me to be successful, I think the opposite is true of the things in which I really struggled. And when I got away from reaching out, when I got away from just remembering, quote unquote, who I really am. When I doubted my self-image, when I doubted my self-confidence, which by the way, I, I, you know, I can understand it's really easy to do when things are not going the way you want, but whatever you focus on is going to grow and expand. So if you focus on problems, you know, you're going to be really amazing attracting a lot of problems to you. And if you focus on the results that you want, you're going to be really great at attracting the results and the things that you desire. So those are the lessons, Dan, I, I, I think I've learned is like, if you want to not do well, great, don't reach out. If you want to not do well, great, don't ask for help. If you want to not do well, great, stop asking questions or ask really lousy questions because you're going to get really lousy results. Yeah. What was the mindset that made you isolate yourself when you were struggling? Like, did you feel like you were, you'd bother people if you were asking for help? That Yeah, I think I was just ashamed. I mean, Dan, I mean, the bottom line is, you know, probably being the oldest of four and, and feeling like, you know, I had to pay my way through school and just, you know, my family didn't come from a, a significant you know, amount of wealthy background. My dad was really sick. It wasn't his fault, but he had MS since I was like nine. So he was in a wheelchair since I was 12. I think I just had a scarcity mindset. So when, when I go back and I kind of look at my life, I think some of the things that really shaped me in a negative way is I just didn't have the self-confidence that, in other words, like I question whether I was worth it and whether I was like worth enough. And did I really quote unquote deserve the success? Because I would, you know, it was like somewhat habitual that I would reach a certain like level of success or accomplishment, and but I wouldn't like go to the next level because maybe I was like quote unquote too scared of becoming successful or quote like of what would it take. So it was, it was just a scarcity mindset, and I didn't invest in this time to have the self image that no, I really do deserve this, and I failed to look Dan at the the benefit of what can be created when you are reaching quote unquote, like your full potential. And when the impact that you can really make on others, when you are really performing at the level that you can and service those people in such a a more effective manner. So, Mm, yeah, you know, so much good can come out of when we're performing at our best that is way beyond our own benefit. There is so much benefit to our circle of influence, to the people who watch us and observe us, to our kids, our reps, our friends when we're doing well. And, it, and it, it, I think it just bears repeating to our audience today to, to think about and consider as you overcome your own challenges that you're not just helping yourself, but you're helping so many other people to do that also. And I think that's precisely what you're doing this summer, Danny, is by succeeding at such a high level, you're helping a lot of other people to have the inspiration and motivation to get their act together and to step up to the highest level, right? 
How do you feel like going through these experiences have prepared you for this particular year and the challenges of this particular year? I think what we're experiencing now is, I would say, the things that are what would normally be just very challenging mentally, I don't see as such a big deal. And what I mean by that specifically is I remember coming home from Paris vividly, right, on Sunday, March 8th. And the week later, right, it was like a week later when like the NBA shut down and then France was like on lockdown. And then a week later, you know, I live in Illinois and my kids were done with school. And I remember sitting with a conversation with my wife, Nicole, and she said, Hey, can I ask you a question? I'm like, yeah, of course. She's like, what's going to happen with Cutco in your office this summer? And I looked at her straight in the eye, Dan. I said, that's a great question, Nicole. I actually don't know. I said, I've lived through multiple recessions. And typically speaking, in a recession, I see our company kind of thrive because more people typically cook, more people need jobs. We can really help more people. I said, but I've never lived through a pandemic. And I don't really know if that time we really understood it was a pandemic, but I didn't know. And she said, well, what are you going to do? And at that point, Dan, at that point, I was like, well, running interviews, no problem. I've run interviews on Zoom, through video, no big deal. But the question I asked myself is, was I going to be good? Or like, how successful could I be running training, right. training on video? Yeah. And, and at that point, I was like, wow, I need to like figure this out. So I went into like what Anthony Robbins says, right? Decide what you really want. Take massive action, right? Notice what's working. And then you just like continue to take massive action until you get the result that you want. I ran three trainings back to back to back right before April 1st. It was like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, then a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And the first two trainings were awful. I mean, Dan, it was awful. Like I was like, oh my, like I was like, I'm not good. And then the third training, we had like a glimpse of hope where one person hit their first promotion and like, two days. And I was like, yes, this works. And then Wes Frank and Drew Frank came out with the new program that they had done with like the new Prezi, like the 2.0 version of the Prezi. And for whatever reason, I woke up early at five o'clock in the morning on that Friday. And I watched their presentation, which was like 45 minutes. And at the end of that, I was like, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. And right there, there was no looking back. And I was like, I can execute this with 100% confidence. And I was like, this is what I'm going to figure out. So I spoke to my family. I said, Hey, I don't know what's going to happen, but I have an obligation to the assistant managers who I work with. I have an obligation to the division that we oversee. I have an obligation to the region. I have an obligation to the company that I've worked with for 29 years. And I have tremendous loyalty and gratitude for the company that we work with. And I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. And way back in November, Thanksgiving, after Colton Horn completely inspired me by winning the Branch Silver Cup, right? The kid who sold $10,000 in 10 days and sold 19000 And then actually ran the number three office and then the number one office. I was like, okay, he won a Silver Cup. These people I'm working with, they know what a Silver Cup feels like. I've never won a Silver Cup in 28 years. We're going to go after, we're going to go after the BHAG or the big, hairy, audacious goal is, is it possible mathematically to win the Silver Cup in 2020, right? And I was, <laughs> like, I was like, all right, let's go all out. So we made like a verbal pact, like, hey, we're just going to go all out. And then part of it was that 2019, if you remember November, people were like, here's me in 2019 or 2009, here's me in 2019, like 10 years later. 
And when that happened, Dan, I sat there, I went, oh my gosh, I'm 46. I'm going to be 47 in 2020. That means 2030, I'm going to be 57. So I know I have at least a decade left, but I was like, am I going to work till I'm 67 or not? And Dan, I didn't know because I love Cutco and I, but I was like, how long am I going to work? Right. Am I work till 190? I don't know the answer. And I said, this very well may be my last decade. All right, forget this. I've got to perform at a higher level. So, you know, was like step up your game or like, what does Anthony Robbins say? Like rise up or, or something to that effect, right? Like get going. So I was like, I'm going to figure this thing out. And we went to work and I was like, let's forget about the number. Let's focus on the person. Let's care about the person that we're serving. And from that point, once I knew that I found it a training that I could execute, Every interview, every training, I'm like, we're going to make this happen. I'm like, we're going to crush it. And I just go like every day and I'm focusing on what I want. And there's certain habits and rituals that I have now, but it's worked out really well so far. And it's July and we have a lot to accomplish, but it's worked out well so far. Yeah. Well, how are you doing it? Like, let's talk a little bit about what's actually happening. You are at the top of your game, A++ right now in terms of performance running your office. And I want to make sure that people get to hear what's going on. So first, I guess maybe we could start with how are you driving recruiting and like, how are you making sure that the recruiting side of the business is healthy and is strong and that, you know, you're getting the recruits you want to get. In terms of recruiting, one of the things I've been very intentional about is surrounding myself with people who I genuinely care about in terms of our assistant manager team and our branch manager team and people who I really want to thrive, not be okay. And like, I mean, really they want to, I want them to thrive. So then one thing I can do is I can say, okay, we have these wonderful people we have, let's help them thrive. And they don't remember who it was in the Southwest region. Maybe it was Lloyd, but there was like a study that they came out with a couple of years ago when they said, look, here's what the numbers show. The numbers show that if you have four system managers, you're going to be able to create this. If you have five, you have created this. If you have six, you have created this. We found that the sweet spot is seven. So I was like, all right. So I look at our territory. Okay. If you want to say like, so what do you do? It's really simple. I take a look at our territory. I look at the most influential high schools and I go in a perfect world. Right? If I knew I could not fail, what would I want to accomplish? I would want at least one assistant manager from those special schools that I can help drive recruiting because I want to help those people do really well. So in terms of recruiting, what do you do? It's really easy. Go find seven assistant managers from your top schools and find the people that you genuinely care about. And I've had people who've been at you know lower career sales or higher career sales where it's a building process, right? It's an evolution but you find the people that you care about who you want to build the business with. And that's step one. And then it's really easy. So for example, Sophie Goodman is one of our wonderful assistant managers. She's the number three AM team builder in the country. And I was like, all right, Sophie. Great last name, by the way. Whoa. Right. Yeah. No relation. I don't think maybe second cousin from Bruce, but yeah, but that's really her name. By the way, she lives four blocks away from me. Never met her until she started working in Colton's office last summer. And she came in with a wonderful resume. Everyone loves her. She could won for mayor and she'd probably win. I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. And I was like, who are the nicest people that you know, who you would love to work with and mentor and share the opportunity that you've had? Because she had a $10,000 fast start. She worked really part-time, sold 15 grand, but she made three grand part-time. I was like, who do you want to work with? And she had a small list. We start with that. So from the recruiting standpoint, it was really easy. You gather a bunch of assistant managers 
from the schools in which you want to be able to help in your community and develop them. And I think out of like the 150 or so people that we recruited on our team, it's like a hundred and something are, are PRs and it's driven through our system managers. And from there, Dan, it literally, when a representative, what I have found, when a representative achieves two, three, four promotions in their first 10 days and they see immediate success, they're very excited organically to share that opportunity with somebody who they care about. And right. the work is, the, there's no more work then, you know, it's like so-and-so had a 10K fast start, so-and-so had a 10K fast start. So our first training summer, we kicked it off this summer, we had 18 people. They were the nicest people ever. And we had 18 people, seven of the 18 had 10K fast starts. So talk wow. about massive success right away. By the way, I'd never experienced that before. Okay, never experienced that before. And at the end of that 10 days, we were like, wait a second, this is kind of interesting. We should like kind of look about this. This is a new thing for us. And then it just, it kind of very organically happened from there. So recruiting, start with the ter- the people you want to work with. What are the high schools you want to serve? Find a bunch of wonderful assistant managers from there. And then you build. Yeah. Now to have that kind of success in sales though, to have seven out of 18 kids in one class with 10K fast starts and the kind of average rep productivity that you have been cranking out here, which is astronomical in a comparative sense to company averages or some of the other reps, there has to be some really great training happening. And what what is happening? Like dissect training a little bit and why has that been so so successful? Okay. So when I think what I really think about what creates represent success, right? It's probably a couple of things. It's belief in the manager and the program in which they're working in, right? And then it's belief in the product. And if a representative is, they have confidence in the manager and the program and that they believe in the product, they're going to be genuinely excited to share it with people who they know and with referrals with people who they don't know. So in training, our whole training kind of revolves around product conviction, right? So how do we do that? Through stories. We're not really cutting food, right? Sometimes I've actually cut food in prison, you know, in, in like virtually, but that's not really the case. But we send them to the... Just, I, just I, get them to follow Mike Dowett on social media and they can see right. all the great cutting stuff. But there's so many wonderful things you can do. So I do go to cutco.com and I say, hey, watch the videos on cutco.com. There's a bunch of videos. I have them watch the videos before training. Like literally go to cutco.com and do that. And then we do a lot of role playing. So I think there needs to be confidence in the program. Confidence comes from comfortability. So I still spend time in training, working with them one-on-one and in groups of two or three role playing. And on Zoom, it's so easy. Just do breakout rooms. And they'll role play back and forth and back and forth. So they actually understand the job. It's not that complicated. And I think one of the reasons why our representatives are so excited to work hard is because they're excited and confident the product. I am very, very passionate about helping them win a lot of cuckoo in their first 10 days. And one of the things I share with our, our training class is I go, look, at some point in the future, you know, you might be 18 to 22 or now for the younger students, but at some point you're going to get an apartment and you're going to cook and you're going to buy a Cutco. Let me, do me a favor, just work really hard in your first 10 days, Dan, please. And let me buy you 500 or a thousand bucks with a Cutco now. So you don't have to do that later on. And oh, by the way, it'll hit two or three or four promotions. And if you hit four promotions in your first 10 days and you start in May, you got a letter recommendation from the CEO of the company 
which by the way, is something I'm, we can talk about that, but I am so passionate. That's how I kind of like judge my success with our representatives. And I get to take you to dinner and you get a thousand bucks in Cutco and you hit four promotions. Oh, by the way, you make $2,000. And what do you need to do? You need to do 40 to 50 appointments. Now, Dan, mm. I don't know if you, you have time to do 40 to 50, but I'll do, I do know in the summer, you can do that for sure. By the way, most of them in, in our office, 60% plus have summer school and they're taking like two or three classes because of everything with COVID and, or they have a part-time job or they have an internship or they volunteer or they're playing sports or they have this life, right? So we just work with the person and help the person accomplish what they want to accomplish in their first 10 days. Because these communication skills, these presentation skills, the skills that you're going to develop, especially now on Zoom, they are critical life skills that are going to benefit you for the rest of your life. If you're going to be a doctor, you have to get good at communicating with a nurse or whatever. If you're going to be a lawyer, you have to get good at communicating with other people. If you're going to be a teacher, you have to get good at communicating. And I think one of the gifts, right? What are the gifts in this whole pandemic situation is that we're learning that we have to be more effective in terms of communication. And if our job is to literally empower, right? Like our central region noble cause is to empower students with the skills for life that they need. And I should say empower students and others. So empower people with the skills for life that they need to help them live the life of their dreams and inspire others to do the same. If that is our genuine noble cause, then it is our responsibility as managers and leaders to really make sure and hone those skills so they, after Cutco, they can become these amazing human beings in society and they can literally help change the world in the most positive way. Amen man. Really great stuff just listening to you. One of the things that strikes me is that you are a master promoter. Like You are just great at painting a vision for people of what they get if they do X, right? That they can earn, you know, if somebody has a 10K fast start, they can earn 2,000, but they can also win their president's club recommendation letter from uh, the CEO of the company. They can uh, win their night out with the division manager that they get treated to. Okay, they get four promotions. And then all of the other little things that you rattled off that they get, along with the element of learning and growth that happens along the way and why that's so integral to their future, regardless of whether they spend that future in Vector or anywhere else, you're helping them see that. These are all ways of giving people motivation. And it's backed by your conviction that if they do what you're asking them to do, they are actually going to get those results. And you really have that rock solid belief that you can create that. How would you address a manager that just hasn't had great success or they don't have a track record of creating top reps and they've struggled a little bit with that? You know, How does that person pick themselves up to be able to have that belief and conviction that they can develop a team like you are? The question I would start with is what is it that you want? Mm. What is the vision that you have for your organization? And what I mean by that, what is the vision that you want for the people that you are leading and the people that you're serving? And if you can start with what you want for those representatives, then I think things flow very easily. So I'll, I'll give you a very specific example, if I may. One of the things that we are very passionate about our office is helping I'm not actually exaggerating. 100% of the people in our organization earn a presence club letter because one of my goals, one of my dreams, 
Okay. Is that at the end of the summer or when next summer comes along, if somebody is going to move on from Cutco, which is great, if they choose to do that, I want them to be equipped to go into a future interview. And when somebody says, Hey, please share with me about the summer of 2020, what did you happen to do at a time when it's very difficult from what I'm learning for many people to get a job for a student to say, or a non-student say, well, I, I picked up this really neat part-time job with Cutco and Vector. By the way, I earned this letter of recommendation from the CEO of the company that in this case, he signed, but it was Al or Bruce. He signed, by the way, their email is there. The office address is there, right? And the direct line to their office is there. By the way, the division manager's name and phone number is there as well. So you can call him or her mm-hmm. about that. And I think there's something incredibly powerful, Dan, about a young person earning a letter, a certificate of recommendation from the CEO of the company they can use as a cover letter for the resume forever. I think that is one of the greatest gifts, okay? One of the greatest tools that we have as leaders to empower the people that we're serving so they can go off. They can go off and get a better job in the future. They can get into the medical school that they want to. They can get into the law school they want to. They can not maybe just become a teacher if that's what their goal is, but they could become a principal and a leader of organizations. And I think that gift is so powerful. And from our interview to our training to every meeting to tonight, we're hosting a parent open house that I've been hosting weekly. And I think we have like a hundred and something parents and students are going to be on that meeting tonight. I'm like, Hey, just so you know, this is a really big deal to me. Let me explain why. Here's what the letter says. Let them see what the letter is. Let's talk about what's your plan to win that letter because it's not complicated. It's just to figure out what's the simple mathematical formula. So reiterate your question, how do you help somebody who may have not had the skills? What do you want? What do you want for the people that you serve? And how do we help those individuals start to get some of those CEO letters, the letters of recommendation, the President's Club letter? Yeah. I love that. What do you want question? Because, you know, if anybody starts thinking about where they're at now, what their challenges are now, their focus is not taking them upwards. Their focus is sort of keeping them where they are. But to just stop and erase all of that and to say, well, what do I want? Right? What do I want from this job? What do I want from my team that I'm building? What do I want in my life? Right? To stop and just think about what do I want? Right? That's the first step towards being able to move in that direction. And now we have to find the answers and implement those answers. But all that stuff is easy. Finding answers is easy these days. Implementing, that's just a matter of making a decision and doing it. Right? But having the mental fortitude to get out of where you are now and begin moving down a new path that's a critical piece of success that, uh, you know, is clear that you've been able to muster up. And then Dan, if I could add something to that, it's like, after you think about what is it you want, I think you said something very powerful, making a decision. The terminology that I learned from a coach that I have is that he said, instead of just making a decision, make a committed decision. Mm-hmm. The difference between making a decision and a committed decision, because when you make a committed decision, in other words, that there's no other options, you know, quote unquote, like the universe or whatever you choose to believe is going to conspire to assist you and help you accomplish the goals and dreams that you want. And when you go back to like the new manager who is like learning how to build something, I would ask, what is it that you want? Okay. Make a committed decision. And then who do you want to build that business with? 
And, you know, when people say, why is your office doing so well? I would say, well, with all due respect, it's not actually Danny Lewis. Is that Danny Lewis has been gifted with the greatest supporting cast I've ever worked with. Like our assistant team getting kind of choked up. You know, Brian's been here. This is his fifth year. Graduated the degree in film. Sam, freshman at Tulane. Yes, he was the number four student in the world last year. Okay. No kidding, Dan. He's the hardest working 18 year old I have ever seen in 29 years. Like I think I have energy. This kid is a completely different level. We have four of our assistant managers are 10 K fast starters. Alex Lufus cares so much about her people and Callie's like learning, but getting better every single week. It's just, it's so inspiring. And then Max is like the thinker, like helps us organize everything. And you know, he's like efficiency. And then, you know, Ryan's a computer, computer, an electrical engineering major, by the way, from Santa Clara. Okay. Good, pretty good. Okay. And these, and these students, and then Sophia Eggman is a music therapy major. I mean, none of these people are majoring in culinary arts. Okay. And between Brian and Sam and Sophie and Alex and, and, and Ryan, and between them, they together, together, they're forming this incredible unity. And it's so great because there was no playbook on how to run the business, but because they care and they have a common goal for what they want, together, they're creating these phenomenal results. And it's kind of crazy in such a fun and inspiring way is that these wonderful group of teenagers and Brian, the older one who's 22, right? They're creating you know, what hopes to be a multi-million dollar organization because they just genuinely care about the people that they serve. Mm. And so what I'd say to the new manager is, who are the people that you'd be so thrilled to work with? Who are the people that you're inspired to work with? Who are the people that you wake up and you're like, this is one of the reasons why I want to work because they deserve it. And then the other big lesson is just smile. So if somebody said, what's the biggest difference in 2020 versus 2019, I'm smiling a lot more, whether it's on Zoom or talking to her, I'm really working on smiling, just having fun and enjoying the moment. So mm. committed decision, but it really is a committed decision. Yeah. So much good stuff, Danny. And this kid, Ryan, I, Ryan needs to come uh, you know, track me down when he gets back to Santa Clara, whenever that happens. Hopefully that's this fall, but I'll look forward to meeting him in person. He's a gem. Uh, You'd love him. Yeah. Awesome stuff, Danny. Awesome stuff. Hey, this has been really good. Let me just wrap up by asking you this. What are you most excited about for the future, Danny? The people who I'm serving and working with. What I am really excited about is these amazing human beings that we have this year to help them finish the summer the right way, right? Ending on a yes, inducting them into our leadership academy and helping them to really elevate their life to the next level, whatever that level might be. I'm really excited to build a wonderful organization and to build a bigger division and make a bigger impact on our region and hopefully a, a bigger impact on our company and really help people attain the goals and dreams that they want and serve them. So. That's what I'm, I'm really looking forward to. And I genuinely think we're incredibly lucky from the people at Olean. I have tremendous loyalty to them, to our, you know, our CEO, Jim Stitt, and the executives. We're so lucky to work in a company where people actually care so very much more about the human being. And because I think the quote is, if you treat a person as they are, they're going to stay as they are. But if you treat a person as what they ought to become and could become, they will become what they ought to become and what they could become. And, you know, one of the greatest lessons is, you know, many years ago, people believed in me. And, you know, I think Jeff Bryan, I think Mike Muriel, and I think Rich Plaskin, and 
I think, you know, all the DVMs and, you know, all these people who I've learned from, especially like on your podcast, and then the people who are like, you know, my partners and like my people I've been, I've just been, I've been so fortunate to learn from all these people. We're going to build something really exciting together. And this is only a beginning. It's a good start and the best is yet to come. So that's what I'm really genuinely excited about. Well, that's great to hear, Danny. And it's been amazing to see the leadership you've provided for our team. I think that when, you know, when we have superstars in our company that are the ones that are always at the top of the charts, they're inspirational in their way, of course, not to diminish the role that those people play because it's obviously a massive and important role. But when we have people, Danny, who have had success and have had challenges and have worked through those challenges and picked themselves up off the mat at times and are now achieving at the top level in the company as you are, I think that that just reaches everyone's heart in a way that others can't reach. And that's what you're doing right now for a lot of people in the company. And it's amazing to see and we're, we're really grateful for all uh, the success that you're showing to other people, the path you're showing to other people and rooting for you continue to have great success here as the rest of this year goes on and see if you can grab that silver cup, man. Well, thank you very much. Regardless of the, the outcome, the journey has been a lot of fun and I'm very lucky. I have a wonderful wife. I have two amazing kids. I work with a great company. I'm healthy and I work in a, in a place in an environment where people are inspire me to be a better version of me. So it's been an absolute thrill to be a part of this program. I think this program that you do is just incredibly inspiring and so giving to regards if somebody's in Cutco or out of Cutco or in Vector or out of Vector. We have so many wonderful lessons that we can work from each other and uh, you're doing an incredible job. So this was an absolute thrill. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for participating. That was Danny Lewis, everyone. A lot of good stuff. And I definitely want to make sure to reinforce and bring home a couple of key points from this conversation. First off, Danny talked about the development of belief in himself, how there were people there who believed more in him than he did. And he had self-doubt for a while, and gradually grappled with that. I think a lot of us have grappled with that over time. And a big factor that causes this is what we could call attributions. Attributions are how we explain our successes or our failures. And there was a question Danny posed in the interview, which was, do I deserve this? And one of the ways we answer that is through our attributions. And so first you might consider today, to what do you attribute your success? If you do well at something, right? What do you attribute it to? People that become highly motivated, inspired, and become top achievers, they tend to attribute their success to internal qualities and to actions that they can control. A lot of times other people attribute success to luck, circumstance, chance. Of course, that may play a role in everybody's success. But you put yourself in that position and you had to be prepared to capitalize once you got to that position. And that has a lot to do with the internal qualities you've developed, the mindset, the work ethic, those sorts of things, the persistence, 
and the actions you can control. What did you actually do to succeed? So take an inventory of what you actually did in order to have success in your life and take an inventory of your internal qualities or characteristics that you like about yourself, that you think other people admire about you. If you can learn to attribute success to those things, then you build this feeling of deserving more. Now, on the other hand, we also want to consider to what do we attribute our failures when you struggle or fail at something, right? What do you attribute that to? Because successful people who develop a high degree of inspiration and motivation, they attribute failures to non-permanent causes. Non-permanent, like, well, I'm new at this. So, of course, there's a learning curve. I'm still learning, right, how to get better at this. I'm working on my game. Right? These are all non-permanent causes of struggles, challenges, occasional failures, right? Even something as simple as I made a mistake. And also in times of failure or struggle, motivated, inspired, successful people, they look at controllable actions that they can change. So what's something new that I could learn that can help me to overcome or avoid this failure in the future? What's a new action I can take? Right, that will help me to avoid this failure in the future. Attributions are key. If you can learn this art of attributions, failures in your life will foster change and successes in your life will build your confidence. And that can create an upward spiral of success and achievement for you. Now, you also got to have something that Danny said in the interview, which is being too stubborn to quit. Right. He had this persistence about him. And that comes from the value of what you're doing. Is what you're doing worth hanging in there to figure out how to get good and how to succeed? And I'm just here to tell you, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know Vector is worth it. Life itself is worth it. But if you're a part of Vector, it's worth it to get good here because of all of what it can do for you, all the things it can do for you in other areas of your life in the future. Danny asked or suggested that we all ask the question, what is it that we want? And that we make a committed decision in that direction. Make that decision for the rest of 2020 to make this your best year ever. We're only halfway through the year. and There's a lot of time left to be able to achieve the success that we want And last, I just want to remind you that in all the goals that we're striving for, it's people that make the difference. It's investing in relationships that matters most, right? Working with the people on our teams, striving to be of service to as many other people as possible, changing lives, right? That's how we can really grow our own success in the process. Hey, like I said, the year's half over. It's been a crazy year. There's a lot of time left to make this your best year. It's possible. It's out there for everyone. Take on that challenge and let's make that happen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free 
from people featured on the podcast. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.